Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Anaya Falcon. Two new children's picture books will soon be released that tackle concepts like gratitude and celebrating the experience of people who look at the world differently and live with disorders. Jessica Whipple, Lancaster poet and author of Enough Is and I Think I Think a Lot, joins us on The Spark today to discuss her books, poetry, and connection to her work. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Jessica, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you gained a passion for writing. Sure. So um, my degree is in communications. So job wise, I've always been writing in some format, but sort of thought my creative writing died after high school. Um, But as a new mom with an infant and a three year old um, about five years ago, um, picture books were kind of becoming a part of my consciousness. We were reading all the time and I kind of just thought, I wonder what it takes to write a picture book and can I do this? Um, So it sort of started as a what if or like, I wonder. Um, And I just kept going and having ideas and writing them down and meeting with critique partners. And the further I went into doing the research of what makes a picture book and how somebody gets published, um, the more I thought that it could happen. You've been writing for about four to five years, but in between that time was the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. So how did the pandemic affect you as a writer? Um, That's interesting. Um, I feel like it could go one way or the other. Some people say like, oh, my creativity was so, um, so down during the pandemic, but I don't know. I feel like I used the downtime to connect with people. Um, Twitter was huge for me. It still is. I connect with the writing community on there. Um, Other authors, uh, friends, agents, editors, um, librarians, school teachers. So um, I don't know. When people felt disconnected, even though we had moved to a new town, I, I didn't feel as disconnected as some others did. In a previous conversation, you shared with me that you gained a lot of confidence throughout the pandemic. At one point, uh, you were not confident. Were you not confident in yourself and your work? And if so, how did you overcome that challenge? Well, I guess just because the source of um, my career trajectory as a picture book author was a question and uh, an uncertainty, um, that uncertainty kind of sticks with you. Um, I didn't, I'm not the kind of person that from second grade, I wanted to be a picture book author. That's, that's not my story. So, um, there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome that comes with trying something new. Hmm. And you have a picture book called Enough Is that was, will be released in March. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? 
Yeah, sorry, it's um, coming out in April, April 18th. I might have given you old information. Um, so it's a concept book. It's about um, the concept of enough and wants and needs and how wanting is uncomfortable. Um, so it tries to relate that feeling to kids to get them comfortable with wanting. Um, and it it pictures it metaphorically, but also in a very down to earth, relatable way for kids so that they can understand like there's not all and nothing. There's a gradient and somewhere between a little and a lot, there is enough. Mm. And that's that's actually the first line of the book. That's beautiful. In your book, Enough Is, it says, quote, sometimes you have to squint to see enough past new and better looking so bright and shiny. Enough is hard to recognize. What's your personal connection to the story? Did you at one point struggle with being content with having just enough? Um, I remember being a kid and <laughs> after Christmas shopping, I would feel so excited, like, oh, we're going Christmas shopping or like going clothes shopping for school, like, oh, we're going school clothes shopping and feeling excited, but then coming home and realizing like, oh, we're done. And, and these are just clothes. And there's something empty about that. Um, so I, I guess I was remembering that as I was writing. Um, certainly as a parent, I'm always trying to teach my kids what enough is, whether it's for dessert or <laughs> time doing a particular thing. And certainly as an adult, I am always struggling with it. And how does peer pressure fit into, you know, the, the difficulty of embracing having enough? Well, certainly with things like Instagram and Twitter and the internet and everything being so um, showy just by nature, um, I think it's something it's important to remember, like, this is all, <laughs> this is all not exactly the way things are for people. Um, the child who has the backpack you want might've saved for a whole year to buy it. Um, there's just a lot more to people's stories than what we perceive. And why is it important for a child to learn that concept early on? Oh, good. <laughs> I guess because, um, I think we're always, we're always wanting, um, I'm wanting things. I'm wanting dessert. I'm wanting more time. Um, I think it's something that's universal to all of us. Um, it's painful to want things, whether they're justified or not. So I think the sooner we can, um, the sooner we can expose kids to that wanting and that discomfort, the sooner they'll understand that it's not something to run from. It's something to um, to sort of lean into and be grateful for. In your book, Enough, it says, quote, somewhere between a little and a lot, there is enough. It might be hard to spot, but it's always there. How can one spot out when they have enough and find contentment with that in a world that's always selling more? Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, and Throughout the book, there are examples that um, apply that question to specific situations, but the book also admits that you can't, some things don't have a number associated with what enough is for that thing. So um, 
I guess some clues would be um, when you don't have too much and when you still have something to share or when you can um, when you can invite somebody else in. Um, a lot of it is just feeling out a situation. And I think the book, Nicole Wong, the illustrator, does a really good job at picturing different situations to represent enough without saying this is enough for this item because that's what I want kids to understand. It's, it's variable to a degree. And are you having any, any success with teaching uh, your kids <laughs> this concept? <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to say that no. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, yeah, we're always working on it, but some things, especially related to candy or treats, it just seems like we're always, we're always fighting that battle. <laughs> I want them to learn it. I really do. Um, certainly the other kind of, they're certainly good at enough as it relates to other things. Like, I don't know, we buy clothes at the thrift store, like the character in the book does. Um, hmm. We try to be wise with our money. So yeah, well, strengths I, and weaknesses. I identify with the candy and treats struggle there. So <laughs> Yeah. You have another children's picture book that will be released coming up in August uh, called I Think I Think a Lot. What topics will that one cover and what journey does it take readers on? So um, I have OCD and it's sort of a, a look inside the mind of a child who thinks a lot. Um OCD isn't always about hand washing or checking doors. Um, a lot of it is internal rumination and worry. So that's how my OCD was and is. So I wanted to picture what else OCD could be besides the things that people automatically think of when they hear the term OCD. So um, it follows a child who compares herself to others and how her thoughts seem different than other kids' thoughts. But um, ultimately, she learns that there are benefits to the way that she thinks about things, and she comes to appreciate those benefits. And this book is meant to be relatable for children with anxiety, ADHD, autism, giftedness, and perfectionism tendencies. So how can it be relatable for uh, kids dealing with all of those things? Um, I think there's... There's a thought life to this character um, as there is, you know, repetition and um, anxiety associated with a lot of the, the conditions that you mentioned. So um, we never specify in the text that the child has OCD. So it's meant to be broad. However, in the author's note, I do say that I have OCD and that it's inspired by that. But the publisher felt that um, it could also be applicable to, to kids with those other conditions. How does the imagery help to bring that story to life? Um, Jose Bisayon is uh, the illustrator for that one. And she, her stuff is so whimsical. So while there's this anxiety in the child, she sort of buffers it by um, picturing the child as a sweet, sort of playful um, looking girl. And there's, it's just, I mean, whimsical is just the best word for it. So I think to soften the 
um, the impact of a subject that's kind of weighty, the illustration really lightens it up. So Jessica, you earlier in the, the conversation, you talked about your book, I Think, I Think a Lot, and your connection to it with your experience with OCD. In a world where you know nonchalant attitudes are celebrated and caring or thinking a lot is seen to be as a, a weakness to some, you want to celebrate, uh, you know, those things in your book. Did you ever feel ashamed or like an ashamed or like an outsider as uh, someone dealing with OCD? Um, as a child, yeah, there have been times when um, I'd be playing with friends and I'd be ruminating um, just off somewhere else in my mind, um, feeling sad that I wasn't able to participate with the other kids who were having fun. Um, so yes, definitely. And how can parents relieve their kids of the stress and shame of having a different experience or perception than others? Um, well, hopefully with books like this, um, I know there's not that many books about OCD, um, for kids that aren't, you know, distributed in a therapist's office. So my hope is that I think, I think a lot can be a book that's as easily accessible as any book from the library um, where kids can see themselves and think, oh, you know, there might actually be something good that can come from this worry that I'm having or this feeling that I'm having. You address pretty complex emotional concepts in your picture books. Why are picture books the best method to inform kids about these concepts compared to a book that isn't full of imagery? Um, I, I don't know if I can say they're the best. I think they're one tool that we can use to um, start conversations with kids about their inner lives, um, things that concern them and worry them, things they are happy about. Um, it's sitting down with a book and a kiddo is like one of my favorite things to do. So um, that's a time when we can ask questions and really um, come close to the child in a way that we might not otherwise be able to if we're playing at the playground or something. So how early should one expose their children to picture books? Huh, that's a fun question. Um, I know there are board books for kids that, um, even though there are no words, um, developmentally infants focus on contrast. Um, so there's board books that are just really simple imagery with a black and a white background contrast. So it might be a dog that is black and the background is white. And of course, the child doesn't know that's a dog. There's no interaction with the dog. It's just something to hold the child's visual interest. And building the, the habit of sitting down with a book um, with a child, even though that board book with the black and white pictures is not going to be what they ultimately come to read as an older child, that is an important step in introducing kids to books. So what are some other benefits of reading picture books to kids? Um, I, I really like reading books because um, I think every time you sit down with them, you're bringing a new experience to the book. There are books that I have on our bookshelf that I keep because I know we're going to like it a year from now or two years from now. And as we grow, we bring new experiences to the book um, so that it can really exist beyond the page. 
And I think that's one of my favorite things that I like about picture books. And you can really, some people think this is odd, but you can read picture books as an adult. They are very, a lot of them are very poignant and um, in their simplicity, they can say a lot. Would you say there are a lot of picture books that deal with these complex emotional concepts? Yes, I think there are, and they're certainly becoming more popular as um, publishers want to um, address mental health and social emotional learning with kids. So um, there are, but I cannot think of any that are about OCD. So I really, I really hope that um, that mine will be the first of many. You have two poems that you would like to share with us that express a little more about you. Can you read them to us? Sure. This one is called, This is What I'm Thinking at the Container Store. And it is about my adult OCD. So this appeared on Pine Hills Review online in January. There's a reality where Lego instructions, crumpled like dollar bills, unfurl to crisp life again in sleek plastic pockets, in binders lining bookshelves. A basket in my bedroom holds clothes waiting to be reworn. I gave it a name even, a wear again bin. A name makes a thing important. This is the best I can do. Sometimes it feels like all my problems could be solved if I had places for things. Husband wants a spot for keys. School pickups run on time when I can locate my sunglasses. A thing is important if it has a place. I'm terrible at filing. Bills, coupons, invoices. Life creates endless items to be sorted and categorized. When a thing has a place and a name, it can be found again. I wonder about this. Where do I keep the things I don't want to possess? Once, when I opened the fridge, 15 watts illuminated liminal space, PB&J or mac and cheese. The decision meant nothing. The decision meant everything. For months, I struggled to keep my head above its inky depths. Finding a thing again is like remembering. So I recall this moment often. In my brain, there's a file marked, she was overwhelmed and a subfolder titled Lunch. There's also work, disease, God, and others. Like the cardboard box labeled OCD, this file is heavy, taped shut. But I know where it is. It's in the basement, on the narrow shoulder of an overpass, at the end of 2008, the middle of 2010, my fertile 2015. These were the times I relinquished my phone, keys, wallet, before passing through the Psych ER's metal detector. I can find this tangle of hard questions, shameful confessions when I need it. I revisit the prayers, apologies, repeated like a leaky faucet, droplets always tracing the same path. Remembering is a way of being ready for next time. I strive for actual organization, but what I really want is tidy thoughts, truth and impossibility in a mutually exclusive Venn diagram. I can live with a messy toy chest, closet, and junk drawer. When the pipes burst, I don't need an acrylic office caddy. Give me a bucket to catch the flow. And I think I forgot to say that's called This Is What I'm Thinking at the Container Store. Yeah. 
Can you talk to me a little bit about your experience having OCD, you know, as a kid and versus having it and experiencing it as an adult? Sure. Um, They knew less about it then. We knew less about it then. Um, Treatment then is different than it is now. Um, I think about the kids now who are being diagnosed with it. They're probably going to do better um, earlier and they'll probably figure out coping skills sooner than I did. Um, I mean, it's always going to be misunderstood slash understood because it is so um, unique to the the sufferer. So there's always a degree of that. But um, I think kids now who are being diagnosed with it are definitely going to get um, faster care and probably care with a little bit more expertise because I am still learning things about it. There have been changes to meds in the past five years that have affected me just because of things that we're learning about OCD and about the brain. Um, So that's not to say I didn't get good treatment as a kiddo. I certainly did. But, um, you know, it's just different now. In a previous conversation, you said you always wondered, will there be any redemption for all of the challenges and experiences that you've gone through in life? Does your work as an artist act as a source of redemption for you? I think so. Um, I remember having that thought at uh, the dining room table and just thinking like, what is this going to come to? Is there going to be any good that comes from this? And I can't see how there could be any. Um, And that was, you know, one of the hardest times that wasn't my day-to-day life, but that was, uh, you know, one of the harder moments. Um, But I'm so honored that um, it seems like this picture book is bringing it full circle. And I'm just delighted and excited that it's happening. Wow. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Jessica. Learn more about today's topics at WITF.org slash the spark or make your suggestions for topics to the spark at WITF.org. I'm Anaya Falcon. Have yourself a great day.